Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Chip Tam and football, that's what Pittsburgh does. Welcome back to another PG Sports Now episode, part of the Post-Gazette's podcast network. I'm Brian Batko, and I'm excited to be joined today by a longtime CBS play-by-play man. He was on the call Sunday for Steelers-Ravens at Acrisure Stadium. He's one of the absolute best in the business, Ian Eagle. Thanks for joining me, Ian. How's it going? Great to be with you, Brian. And uh, yeah, Ravens-Steelers just never gets old. It always lives up to it, sometimes in unique and bizarre ways, but... They always seem to have major battles, and this past one didn't disappoint in that department. For sure, yeah. Before we get into all of that, this show is presented by Pella. There's no better place to get new windows and doors installed in your home than Pella. They can help you save on energy costs year-round, so schedule a free in-home consultation with your local Pella windows and doors to find the right product for your home and your budget. Give them a call at 866-593-1560 to discuss your project further. That's 866 866- Five nine three one five six zero to get started planning your new windows and doors installation with Pella Windows and Doors of Pittsburgh. So, Ian, you know, you've, like you just kind of mentioned there, you've been at this a long time. Um, you know, you've uh, done a lot of NFL games yep. over the years, a lot of different sports. Is that seventeen ten win for the Steelers Sunday one of the wackier ones in recent memory? Have you decompressed yet from that fourth quarter, especially the <laughs> final five minutes or so when it was just like a ping pong match? Yeah, it definitely was odd because the general feeling, I don't know how you felt, Brian, at halftime for the game to be where it was, felt like Baltimore had dominated and should have had a larger lead. Steelers could not get their offense going. And as you got deeper and deeper into the game, you began to realize, oh, no, this is going to play out like it always seems to play out. There's going to be a weird play that either leads to a score, sets up a score, or is a score, in this case a safety, that really changed the whole complexion of the game. And what I have learned, certainly doing NFL games, you don't give up on a game, but doing Raven-Steelers games, which I've done enough of through the years, and during the Harbaugh-Tomlin tenures, strange stuff is probably going to happen. And it's part and parcel with this particular rivalry. I felt at the end of that game, and I try to reflect, hopefully, what others are feeling when they're sitting on their couch, that this is probably a game Pittsburgh should not have won, and they found a way. And that was the general tone that unfolded in my mind. Uh, They're three and two. They're leading the division. Steeler fans obviously uh, have not been thrilled with the way they got to three and two, but somehow when the smoke clears – They're still at the top of the AFC North. They hit the bye, a chance to maybe correct some things, get healthy, and uh, start their quest to to try to 
to get this thing into their hands and on their terms as the season unfolds. Yeah, I think you you kind of hit the nail on the head with the pulse of the fan base right now. I think it was a at least the way I've been framing it to, you know, in my chats and stuff. And I, it's a good win. There's never a bad win. It's, it's always better than losing. But I don't know that it was an encouraging win in a lot of ways. I mean, from your vantage point, I mean, was and you alluded to this, was it sort of strange to see, you know, a venerable franchise like the Steelers, but that fan base um, just as frustrated as they are, um, even on a day that they will themselves to a win against their arch rival. And yet there were a lot of boos directed toward the offense starting early. Obviously, another round of chance to to make a change yep. at offensive coordinator. I mean, what do you what do you make of this situation here overall, and just the uh, almost paradoxical nature of it at this point? Yeah, I think we're in a a new world. Obviously, in the NFL, because of social media, because uh, there are many places in which to share your opinion, sure. there can be a groundswell that develops, and that's not to say that fans weren't upset twenty years ago and didn't voice that. But there seemed to be more of a collective reaction and visceral reaction. And that is a little surprising in Pittsburgh, where more often than not, I do think Steeler fans have always tried to find the positive if possible. And there's been a lot of success. So it's easy to find the positive when you've only had three coaches for as far back as you can remember. And quarterback position has been pretty well taken care of. Uh, over decades, but there have been dips, as we know. I remember in the Bill Cower era where things just went sideways, and Bill, who is among the best human beings that you will sit and talk football with, was perplexed and was trying to find the antidote and trying to figure out how to how to make it better, and they eventually did, and, and we know that it was based on draft and personnel and a certain Steeler mentality. This one, I don't know if fans are ever going to be completely satisfied because this offense is designed in the way that it's designed. And I'm not sure if it's ever going to click in a dynamic way. And it might be based on what they think they have. And it might be based on the quarterback OC trying to find the common ground and in, in what works. Uh, the results tell the story. I tend to agree with you. I think that the basic reaction was this might have been a Band-Aid win as opposed to a breakthrough win. And there is a difference in the NFL between the two. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. And, um, you know, I think uh, you, you, were, you were sort of getting at it there a little bit with um, – you know, the impatience that the fan base has with this offense. And I, I could certainly feel that like in the press box, I don't know that I've ever felt as uh, you know, not thinking they're going to be able to really get anything going uh, every time they got the ball under center. And at this point, everything said by Mike Tomlin and Matt Canada gets analyzed, overanalyzed, interpreted a certain way by our, our readers and our audience, everything, you know, the previous week, there was actually some controversy based on a conversation that was had in the, the production meeting with the coaches yep. and, and it was partly uh, what you mentioned there about how this offense is built. I guess the best way to put it is Canada felt he was taken out of context in, in some respect. I mean, did you feel like you had to be any more careful on the call? Or did the Steelers seem any more tentative than normal this week when you met with them? Just just given all the, uh, you know, the, the dark cloud a little bit that's hanging over it. I got to tell you, Brian, uh, the way I felt in the meetings and walking out of the meetings, the Steelers could have been 4-0. Uh, there was just a very... Uh, 
different vibe than what was described all week than the one that I experienced going in there. All of our meetings were coming from a very positive point of view in their reaction. The, the tone inside the facility was not one of panic or distress. And I do think there is a little disconnect that takes place and it, it's only natural. Uh, there's a lot of coverage and you know, Brian, you're among those that are there on a daily basis and it's your job to impart what you're feeling and what you're sensing. And then what you then report is taken and is analyzed to the umpteenth degree and it's fodder. I get it. I get it. I mean, this is big, big business in the NFL and people want more, 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 more. And because of that, there's going to be varying opinions. And sometimes those opinions are from people that are not close to the team, but they're very strong and they're very loud and they can take on a life of their own. So I can just tell you from a broadcast point of view, it's part of my job to have my finger on the pulse and recognize that there are things that are out there that are being said, but also try to funnel what is best suited for the three-hour presentation on TV. And it's not a talk show. It's not a hot take show. You're, you're there to document the game. And if something is happening in-game and you're not documenting it, then that's on you. If there are things on the periphery that you choose not to discuss, well, that takes a deeper, uh, to me, discussion among your production crew prior to the game and then in-game uh, making sure that that you're on top of things. You can't not hear the chants. It's echoing through the stadium. Right. So you can't pretend like they're not happening. Obviously, the reaction shots of of Canada in the coaching booth got a lot of attention as yeah, well. That was another hot button topic uh, this this week. Yeah. And what well, I say week, it's only Tuesday. That's been another hot button <laughs> topic for the last 48 hours. Yeah, and a lot is taken from that. Yeah. I mean, look, if we put a a camera in your car driving <laughs> over to the facility later today and said, let's analyze every facial expression Brian has with a <laughs> pedestrian or another car. And we don't know what really happened, but we're going to analyze it. Look, I, I understand it. And it's really why the NFL is king. Uh, it's the constant conversation and little shreds, details <laughs> can be mushroomed into something more that there's, there's definitely room, a lot of room for improvement with the Pittsburgh Steelers, but I don't believe that there's been any panic button pushed from Mike Tomlin at this stage. He's been doing this a long time and he has a, a pretty good feel for how to motivate his guys and how to get them ready for a, a Sunday matchup. Well, I'll say this, and, and not just because you're you're on with me, but I always try to listen to the uh, the broadcast when I'm in the uh, press box, just in case yeah. I miss anything. And I thought you and Charles Davis did a, a great job coming into what was a kind of uh, unusually delicate <laughs> situation yeah. with, for for the crew. And uh, I mean, Charles didn't hold back from making the yeah. comment that uh, I guess Tomlin said that felt like their offense was over gripping a golf club right now. Yes. That's how much they're they're pressing, and you know, I don't think he's said quite as much to that extent with us in these Tuesday pressers, but uh, I, I thought that was interesting. So um, it's yeah. it to another layer to everything they're feeling and going through. No doubt. And, and Brian, I think this would be even a larger topic discussion. We could do a, an hour podcast on yeah. just this part of it. 
how coaches deal with their day-to-day media, not Mike Tomlin specifically, all head coaches. And then what's the back and forth in production meetings? What's the level of familiarity with the broadcasters? What's the sense of trust that goes into what's considered off the record, what's considered on the record? Uh, That's a whole other discussion, having done this now 26 years and you know, part of the deal as being on the TV crew is you meet with the head coach and you meet with three or four players. You have access to the coordinators. What we've done, I did this uh, starting with Dan Fouts years ago. I just found that coordinators in production meetings would often get a little tight-lipped if there were more people in the room, a producer, a director that they didn't know, a play-by-play announcer, a sideline reporter. But with the analyst one-on-one, they might give you a little bit more. So I just told Dan years ago, hey, you just grab the coordinators on your own, pass along to us if there's anything that you believe works. And it's the same now with Charles. And I believe he gets better information because of that. And that's, again, based on crew and it's based on philosophy. Every crew does it differently. But that dynamic is is really interesting, what some coaches are willing to share and what other coaches are not willing to share when you actually sit down with no camera, no microphone, and just have a discussion leading into a particular broadcast. That makes sense. Yeah, when uh, we're second half of the show, we're getting into some lighter fare, some quicker ones. But uh, first, uh, a word from Goldberg, Persky, and, and White. If you were diagnosed with mesothelioma or lung cancer, call your local attorneys at Goldberg, Persky, and White. For over 40 years, the firm's represented thousands of lung cancer and mesothelioma victims. Call 1-800-COMPLEX or visit GPW Law dot com for a free consultation and a shout out to propel schools propels 13 public charter schools right here in allegheny county build a solid academic foundation for lifelong learning and offer more personalized instruction at every level of your child's kindergarten through 12th grade education journey give your children the quality education they deserve learn more and apply to propel schools by visiting propelschools.org so i am you know we talked about mike tomlin a little bit there and you know he's He's fairly tight-lipped with us at times, too, um, but you never know when he's going to have a nugget of wisdom or a Tomlinism that pops out. Year 17 at the helm for him, he's, he's 51. He said in training camp, he's got, how did he put it, more sand in the bottom of the hourglass than the top or something. <laughs> point. So, you know, it's hard to imagine him coaching another NFL team. It's hard to imagine the Steelers having another coach, but it'll happen eventually if or when he decides to move on. Could you see him doing the whole media shebang someday, either sitting in one of those chairs next to you or – back in the booth, breaking down games at halftime like his Steelers predecessor has done now for a while? Man, I think he would be great at it. Uh, I just know how engaging he is in our 15 to 17-minute conversation. Uh, I have a yellow legal pad, and there's always five things in the way that he is able to articulate them that stand out to me. And it might just be a, a, a fairly routine point, but he says it in a way that I write it down and star it. And sometimes it makes the broadcast, sometimes it doesn't. But I'm always pretty amazed. He's got a way with words. He understands word play and how to make it work for him. I think he would be highly successful if he decided to pursue a media career. He just has a, a great sense of, of what resonates and, and how to make it stick. So, yeah, I could see it in his future. I, I wonder with him uh, if the juices are still flowing, how, how much longer he wants to do it, if it's just based on purely got to have another Super Bowl, got to taste 
that yeah. level of success again, uh, you just never know what motivates certain guys. But he's really comfortable in his skin. And for TV purposes, that's a really good quality to have. Yeah, I'm sure he'd be highly sought after and highly compensated as well if he ever decides <laughs> that he's not a football lifer and, and wants to go that route. Um, with this current team, uh, given that you just called the game, who who jumps out to you? I'm always curious to get national perspectives on stuff like this. Who jumps out to you as maybe the most underrated Steelers player right now, league wide? Who you know maybe we in Pittsburgh talk about a lot, but the you know fan bases in the other 31 markets uh, aren't uh, as aware of to this point. It's just based on my experience, the games that I've done over the last two seasons. Every time Jalen Warren touches the ball, he does something exceptional with it. It's rare that he doesn't have an impact, and it's very efficient. They they definitely are not giving him the full load. This is Najee Harris's job, but it's Jalen Warren's role to step in and, and make things happen. But he's the one that, for whatever reason, maybe it's just the games I've done, I, I look at his numbers and think it's more uh, along the lines of, no, he just knows how to make an impact. But Boy, he, uh, he's got some special qualities to him. And I thought the way the game went against Baltimore, he made a couple of plays offensively at a time where they needed them that gave you a belief, if you were the Steelers, that you could win this game. And he's just got a knack for it. Yeah, he had those three plays in a row that it's just like, whoa, that was a sight for sore eyes right now for this <laughs> offense. It's not like... It's like I would say thunder and lightning with with Najee and Harris, but Warren's like he's like he's like a hailstorm. That's like a thunder yeah. and a hailstorm there when he gets the ball. So Big time. selling him short just to call him lightning because um, you know the, the way that he did. I, I wonder if now though these these veteran running backs when they anytime they see an undrafted guy going off like that are just like man, come on, like, <laughs> we can't we can't we don't need this right now. But uh, credit to him and credit to the Steelers for uh, kind of upping his usage here. Um, over the you know early part of this season. L lastly, Ian, you know you've been all over the AFC as usual this season, particularly the North, uh, having seen all four teams at least once, I believe, a couple yep. of them twice now. What have you learned about this division and/or conference at large? And if you're so inclined here, would you like to offer any forecast maybe for how you see it all playing out? Even albeit it is week six. Yeah, what I've learned about this division, Brian, is whatever you think a given week is actually not actually true the following yeah. week. Yeah. That's that's the one moral of the story because I've had the same reaction that most NFL fans have had with each interval. Oh, wow, Cleveland's really good. They got a chance to, to take their game to the next level. Then the injury, the backup quarterback, uh, what happened against Pittsburgh on national TV, and it brings you back to reality. Cincinnati oh, this team has figured it out. Look at the personnel. Well, they get out of the gate once again, slowly. And then last week, once people have written them off, dynamic. And Jamar Chase was 7-11, open all night. The guy was incredible. Baltimore, I bought in. Uh, the offense looked good. Lamar was crisp, not making mistakes. Everything was synced up. Six drops didn't help, as we know. Right. We all saw them. Uh, but then you walk away from that game and they're getting on a plane to go to London and all of a sudden they didn't look infallible by any stretch. And then Pittsburgh, uh, the fact of the matter, uh, as we know, coming off the loss to Houston, 
This is a reactionary league. After that game, most people around the NFL, fans, media, like, all right, Steelers put them in a different category. They just don't have it this year. And then they find a way to win against a highly talented Baltimore team. So everything you think uh, is not necessarily reality in this division. And maybe the division was overrated a bit. That was the general sense coming into the year that this might be the best division in football. I don't know if I can say that after five weeks, but I do know it's going to be highly competitive. Yeah, that that very well could be. There's been some sloppy, some sloppy ball played for sure. Yeah. But obviously, all four of these teams can find another gear at times when it gets cold and windy and snowy, and you know that then sometimes they're at their best. So, um, well, thanks so much for joining me, and this has been fun, really, and an honor to chat with you because you're so great at what you do. Uh, anything else you want to add before I let you get out of here and enjoy the rest of the season? Yeah, I, I would say the only thing I would add, Brian, is uh, I appreciate being on with someone named Brian, because if you take the BR out, it's yeah. I. I. I try to explain this to people. They don't get it. They just assume it's Ian, Ian, Ian. But this is a great way for people to understand. It's Brian without the BR. And the other thing I would tell you is I want to say it was my second year at CBS, 1999. I got a letter from a steel fan. This is pre uh, email or I, first of all, I'm not on social media, so it would be hard to find me. So I get a letter to CBS from a Steeler fan, uh, was not a big fan of my work in 1999 and said, Hey, I am Everyone knows the only reason you got this job is because your family owns the giant Eagle stores. <laughs> and I was like, really? Would would I be doing this if my family owned the giant Eagle stores? I probably would be doing. Anyway, I did write him back. Yeah. Uh, he did have a return uh, address. And then he wrote me back at that stage and said, oh, no, no, I, I actually like you a lot. I, I just <laughs> I was angry at the Steelers' loss. So glad you wanted to was really cooking with gas and connecting connecting the dots there. Uh, <laughs> you didn't think you, a take, lot of you take the G and yeah, you take the T and you just move them out, and you have Iron Eagle. It's wild. Well, hey, maybe one of these days you get a, uh, a promotion or, or sponsorship. <laughs> that is a that is a pretty funny anecdote. <laughs> yeah. See you Sure. Thanks to all the listeners out there as well. Before I sign off, just a quick plug uh, for an upcoming event next month. Uh, it's the Great Yinzer Tailgate, bringing the best of the Berg to South Point on November 4th, showcasing Pittsburgh's rich culture, iconic sports history, and vibrant community spirit. The Great Yinzer Tailgate will immerse you in the unique blend of traditions that make Pittsburgh legendary. Visit www.thegreatyinzertailgate.com for details. Uh, thanks again to Ian Eagle. I'm Brian Batko from the Post-Gazette. Please do your best to enjoy a Steelers stress-free off week, and I will see you next time. Thank you for checking out this content from Post-Gazette Sports. If you enjoyed the video, please like it and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Check out our Apple Podcast channel for more podcast content. Click below for a special deal of 99 cents for a three-month subscription to the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette.